everybody should be like over your past now. We're done. Totally go forward, right? <laughs> Tammy, you're here. I thought you weren't here. Anyway, but there you are. John was back there misbehaving. I said, Tammy's not here to get him in line. No, I'm just kidding. So um, next month, we've got a few. We've got Tim Hall coming in. Michael and I are going to do some one-in-a-row sermons. Uh, he's going to do, you're going to get a tattoo for that sermon, right? That your verse when you're actually going to get a tattoo of a verse, right? No, that's not happening. I just thought, I thought we had talked about this, so. <laughs> just, just kidding. I knew that wasn't happening. I just want to put Michael on the spot, so. Anyway, um, then uh, after that, we get into uh, the month after August, September. We're going to deal with, uh, we have a series we're starting called Supernatural. We're going to deal with the weird stuff in the world. And uh, so pretty excited about that. Michael's going to launch that series, so we're pretty, pretty stoked. So we've got a lot going on this year. And uh, coming into fall, have some fun things happening and really hope to help folks really get closer to Christ. That's why you've got to get past your past. So let's jump in this so we can get... Uh, Get going and, and really work this out. So, get past your past. Let's start with that idea of, hey man, some things that are not a problem for you anymore. One is your sin. God is not scared of your worst. Did you know that? Whatever's happened to you, whatever you've done, no matter how bad it is, God's not scared of it. God's dealt with it. He's addressed it in his son on the cross. I love this verse in Jeremiah. It says, and I'll forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Isn't that an awesome verse? God just says, I'm not going to hold it against you. I've covered it in the blood of my son. And so whatever you've done, it's done. It's over. He's got that, okay? Now you have to learn to have faith in God more than you have faith in your sin. That's the lesson you have to learn from that. You have to believe in God more than in the power of your sin. You understand that? Say amen. Yes. Even if you don't get it, you can think about it later. It's like, what did I say amen to? You can think about it then, okay? God wants to do this for you. God wants to do this for you. He wants to deal with the worst in your life, okay? So there's your sin. But there's also our identity. Sometimes what we've done becomes who we are. And that's over in Jesus Christ. Who we are is over in Jesus Christ. Our identity, if you're going to be a Christ follower, now hear me and hear me well. If you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to be a Christian, that's what, that, that there's, the world has a definition for a Christian, and I kind of tune it up to Christ follower, Okay? If you're going to be that, you have to lose your identity in what you've done, and you have to accept your identity in Christ. Does that make sense? That's who you are now. What you've done is not the factor. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. It's over, man. You've become a new person, and the old life is gone. Say gone. It's gone. And a new life has begun. Everyone has to lose their that, that identity of what they've done and enter into the identity that is Jesus Christ. And, and if I could just hammer on that just a little bit more. If you have an identity that you hold even equal to Christ in your life, then I would question biblically whether or not Christ is actually in your life. Now I know it's a harsh thing to say. But we, have, we live in a world today that, that just loves to take what they've done, the things that they love, or the sins that they've committed, and turn it into who they are. Christianity demands that be released and that Christ be received. Can you, can you go there? You okay? All right. Did I just mess with your world? Good. That's what I do. Mess with people's worlds. Okay. So your sin's done, your, your identity's in Christ, now you have a future. 
You have something to look forward to. I can't change your past. You can't change your past. But your future is still ahead of you. A whole lot of things can happen going forward. And there's this awesome verse in Proverbs 24. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Whatever you've done, you may need to apologize for it. You may need to reconcile with some people. You may need to do some restitution or whatever you need to do. But at the end of the day, even if you have to do all of those things, passes over. Now it's time to look to tomorrow. Amen. It's time to look to the future. That's why we got to get past our past. Because so many of us are stuck back there. And we need to learn to live for where we're going in a way that God sees us rather than the way we remember us. Yeah. Also, oh, in a way that God sees us better than the way that... I'm never going to remember that. We should remember that. <laughs> oh, man. So here's, what I, here's where your heart needs to be right now. To move from past to present. Thank God. You found the answer. Most of the world has not. Most of the world has never even heard the answer, at least not in a way they could hear it and understand it. And by the way, that's on the church, but that's a mission sermon that I'll get to one day. And so there is an answer. Paul said, oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. That is how so many people feel. And they never, I, I, I believe Christianity is a journey from Romans 4 and 5 and 6 through 7 to chapter 8. And I think most Christians never get to chapter 8 of Romans. And you're like, I don't get that. It's okay. It was, it was for other people. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Verse 25, though, Paul goes on to say, Thank God. And that's, that's the bridge between the past and the future for you. Thank God. The answer is Jesus. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's your answer. So now what? Now what do we do? I mean, it's, it's so awesome to meet Christ. It's so awesome to deal with your past. It's so amazing to drag the mistakes of yesterday out into the light and let the light destroy them. And, and, and it's so great to use those things to encourage other people. But here's what I've encountered a lot as a pastor is so many people are dragging their past out and that's all they know how to do. They just keep going over their past and over their past and trying to use their past. to It has become their identity. And if your past has become who you are, and you're to the point that if you lost your past, and it were, I don't know, say a race in the blood of Christ, you would also lose your identity, then your past is no longer who you are. It's a bondage. It's a prison that you cannot escape. So something's got to change. This is why we have to move forward. So today, the, the main idea I want you to grasp is this. If, if you want to get out of your past, you've got to start pursuing God's future for you. Stop sitting back, worrying about it. Yes, if you can use it as a ministry tool, if you can help other people find hope with your past, that's fine. However, every time you rehearse your past, you drive it deeper in your brain, and you hand Satan a tool by which to accuse you. So always remember, if you're going to rehearse your past, you need the grace of God and the Holy Spirit on that thing so it's a blessing on those people and not a curse back toward you. Is that, does that make sense? Okay, so how do, we get, how do we make forward? Is there something we can do? And so you know me, I like practical. I like to look at things and figure out how, you know, what, how, does, how does God's Word, so much of it written 2,000 years ago or more, how does it fit into this crazy bonkers world 
that I live in. And the great thing about it is God's word is so timeless. Philippians 2. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God is working in you right now. Who's working in you? That's the right answer. Where'd you get that? Oh, it's on the screen, right? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Man, power's coming from God. We're living in fear all the time that we're making God mad. Like He's just barely tolerating us. You know, like God's up in heaven going, huh, oh, He saved you, and He's really just looking to get you. But the truth is, God's in you, working in you, giving you desires, and giving you power to do the right thing. That's good stuff. So, I would, I'd love to stop on verse 14 because it's my favorite verse toward the church, but I won't. I'll just read it, okay? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Can I read it one more time just, just, out, of, just out of habit? Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Man. It's a good word. So let's start. I want to teach you three things today. I want to teach you to find your purpose, to find your focus, and to find your people. There's, there's my outline. If you got it, if you know what I'm going to say, you can take off. Just kidding. If you leave, I'll say your name before you go out the door. It'll be so awkward. Let's start with finding your focus, okay? You know the Bible. If you've ever read the Bible, you read all these stories about people. Normal people. I mean, we, you know, we often read their stories and tell their stories like they're bigger than life. And they do end up bigger than life, but they, don't, they never start that way. All the stories in the Bible are some broken man or some broken woman that God showed up and God had a plan, either for their life or regardless of whether it was for their life or for a nation, in the plan he always revealed himself Always the plan was to say, this is the kind of God I am, you know? And so, in the Bible, you see these stories. You find Abram. When we meet Abram, he is a chicken. He's got this beautiful wife, and rather than take pride in the fact that he's blessed with a beautiful wife, every country he goes to, he's afraid to admit she's his wife. I mean, why he didn't just walk into Egypt going, hey, that's Sarah, my hot-smoking wife, stay away from her? I don't know, but he didn't. He was a chicken, Okay, And God showed up in this broken chicken guy and, and built a nation from him. Jacob. Jacob was a weasel. Jake, Jacob was a conniving. He, if he lived today, he would, he would sell something less than reputable. Notice I didn't say car salesman because Sherry's here and she would get me. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Sherry. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a stereotype. But anyway, Jacob, he weaseled into his brother's life, stole his birthright, stole his blessing. Joseph, Joseph was that, that sniveling little braggart of a little brother that all the older brothers couldn't stand. I mean, my dad used to do, do you ever have someone in your life that loved to tell you their dreams? I had a dream last night. 
and inside you would groan, oh no, not that again. My dad was that way, because they were always stupid. I love my dad, but his dreams were dumb. But anyway, <laughs> made no sense to me. Joseph was that guy, the, the guy telling the annoying dreams. But God had a plan for his life. So many people, David, he's the baby of the family, the sniveling little brother, you know, the one that no one respected, and, and, and yet God had a plan for him. Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, Ruth was a foreigner from a foreign land. Mary, it, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was the ancient Jewish equivalent to, to what, what was labeled as a people class back in the 1800s as poor white trash. And, and all of these people were just broken. But God had a plan. God had a plan, and when God shows up and God's got a plan, his plan is bigger than the brokenness. God's plan in your life is bigger than your brokenness. That's why we have to find our purpose. We have to see what God sees for us because he says in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. Okay, stop for a minute. Look at that person next to you. Just kind of shift an hour and just get a look at them. Okay, trying to make it too weird, just trying to look subtle. All right, okay, now look back at me, okay? That is God's masterpiece sitting next to you. They may look funny now, but they're God's masterpiece. Isn't that awesome? We're God's masterpiece. Okay, you're enjoying that a little too much. Back in, back in, back in. All right. If we're here, God's masterpiece, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. You're a new creature. You're, you're something new. The old is gone. The new has begun. So we can do the good things he planned. This is that's a critical two words. We really wanted to say the good things we planned. But it doesn't. It says the good things that he planned for us long ago. Have you ever considered that the God of the universe, the most powerful being in all the universe, the one who spoke into existence with mere words, that God has a unique plan, an intimate plan, a tailored plan for your life. Your life. Your, not just the whole world, but for you. God does. I think that's good news. I, that's why we call it the gospel. Because God, God is working in our life. God has something he sees in your life. So let's answer that question for us. What are you here to do? What are you on this planet to do? What did God, what, maybe we start, and this is something that, that we need to do in our lives. We need to start with our story. The older I get, the more I realize how, how people are just not very self-aware just not very aware of self. Don't realize, never really think about what they think about. And you're just going, that sounds weird. <laughs> Maybe it is a little weird. But nonetheless, what has happened in your life? What kind of, what's happened to you? What's happened for you? Has it been rough? Has it been okay? Has it been boring? It all means something. God is in the process of working all of it out for good right now in Romans 8, 28. All of it. He is in the process of working out to something incredible. It, it, it's something he's going to use. All the brokenness, the abuse, the harm, the betrayals, all of it. He's going to use it to work out this amazing plan in your life. And you may never get a scope of what it is in this lifetime. But one day you will. One day you're going to have the perspective just to look at your life and go, wow, it really was a masterpiece. It really was amazing and really beautiful. 
beautiful. God has a plan, and your story is part of that plan. Also, the opportunities in your life. We've got to stop assuming things just happen. My God is too big for things to just happen. <laughs> and you've all been given opportunities. Maybe you got to go to college. Maybe you had a healthy family growing up. Maybe, maybe you got some skill training. Maybe some job came along your way that really blessed your life, and you got a lot of useful training and all those kinds of things. Whatever it was, sports, maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you took some mission trips when you were young. Maybe whatever it was, all those opportunities now are gifts from your father. One of the mistakes I think uh, Christendom has made is we have made this big separation between the sacred and the secular over years. And we've just, we kind of, well, there's the church life and there's your life in the world. And I really hate that. I really do. One, I was a bivocational pastor for a number of years. And so uh, it's amazing to me how much my ministry and my work just partnered together. One just became an extension of another. And they weren't separate things for me. In fact, I thought they were, they, it was a gift that I got to use the skill set that I learned in one place and get to transfer it to another place. All of these things, these opportunities, part of your story, part of what God's doing in your life. However, we are church, so we like to think about the spiritual stuff at church. So let's do that, okay? Your story and your opportunities, not, I think they're spiritual, but maybe you don't. But the Bible does say this. In Romans chapter 12, actually it says this in a lot of places, it says in his grace, in God's grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That's part of the verse. God has gifted you. God gave you gifts. Now that text goes on to talk about prophecy and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and mercy. And I ask God not to give me the gift of mercy. I don't want that one, but that's the only one. <laughs> Just kidding. What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are gifts that originate from God's spirit through our spirit and manifest into our life. They don't come from our brain. They don't come from our emotions. They don't come from our will or even our cell phones. That phone was ringing. I thought I would just, <laughs> just go ahead and have fun with that. They, they, come, they, they don't come from our body. They don't come from our strength. They're not our earthly talents. They are a gift of God's love. That's what spiritual gifts are. Now, the Bible says this about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. It says there, and I've, I've bolded some words on here, because there are different words in the Greek, uh, the, the, langu the language the Bible is translated from. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can glorify ourselves. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I misread that. So we can help each other. We can build each other up. I used to say that spiritual gifts were given to everyone around us and not th through us rather than to us. Now I realize that when you have a spiritual gift, you enjoy using it so much that it's still a gift to you. But the point is simply this. God gives gifts. Those gifts minister to people. Those gifts display God's power. And those gifts motivate the body. Lift us up. Build us up. They're so important. And it kind of breaks my heart that the church is afraid of them. Why are we afraid of them? Because they come from the Spirit. And we 
are kind of, we, we can't really control the Spirit as well as we would like. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Linda. We can't control the Spirit, and so it makes us nervous. And I tell you, one, one thing I have learned about my father is he loves me radically, but he is not that worried about my dignity. <laughs> oh, that's so true. Anyway, so we've thought about this. You, God has a plan for your life. And so if we're going to find our purpose in life, we need, we need to uh, work through that story, think about those opportunities, think through our spiritual gifts. And we're working on some tools to help you do that ordinary faith, but it's going to be a little while, okay? But we want, you've got to work on this to get toward your purpose, okay? Then, as you start wrapping your head around what God wants you to do with this life, I want to remind you of something right now before you even get into it really well, okay? And it's simply this. You are responsible for your peace, not everybody else's expectation. It's really important. You're responsible for your peace, not everyone else's expectation. Let me tell you something about following God around. People misunderstand. They, no one knows your story like you do. That's why it's so easy to judge someone else's life because you don't know their story. That's why it's so hard to judge your own because you do know your story. Okay? And so d- d- just realize when you know what God wants you to do, do what Papa wants. It doesn't matter if anyone else understands. Okay? This is, you're responsible for your peace. If you try and live by everybody else's expectation, it will drive you crazy. It will waste your time. It will waste the energy of your life. I know, actually. I know this firsthand, okay? And what you will do is if you try and live by everybody else's expectation, you will actually never fully commit to anything. You will never fully commit to anything. Because you're too busy trying to keep everybody else happy, you can never focus on what God has for you to do. You'll always be distracted, and your energies will be wasted. So what has God gifted you to do? What's your story? What kind of training and opportunities has God given you? What, what in all of that lit your fire? Man, I tell you what. Christians, I, I think God wants us living out of passion and, and I mean, duty is great. If you've got to just be faithful to get through hard times, then just be faithful. But I'm just saying, you, your life with Christ should light your fire. It should be exciting for you. And if it's not, you should find out why. Um, but I, I guess I could take a tangent there, but I won't. I'll stay on task because I have to get this done by 3 this afternoon, no matter what. So it's nap time at 3. I have to take my nap. So anyway... <clears throat> Paul said this in Philippians 3.8, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Philippians 3.10 I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Oh, my goodness, that's a good word. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, by the way, who wrote this. I, I, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, getting over my past, 
Looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling me. Would you say amen to God's word? Man, you got to find your purpose. Amen, yeah, it's God's word. That deserves applause. If you're going to make progress, though, you got to find your focus. So I learned this lesson sitting across from a young man I was mentoring many years ago. Um, close friend of mine to this day. He was young and very talented, just very intelligent, incredible charisma, very just, just an incredibly talented young man. And God had brought him into my life and, and had allowed me to mentor him. And we're sitting across from my table. He'd come all the way to Colorado from Missouri to talk with me. And he was struggling with what to do in his life. And as we're sitting there talking, he's listing off all of the possibilities in his life. And I mean, they were many. He had so many opportunities open to him. And I'm sitting here listing them off. And we had already been kind of chewing on him for like two days at this point. And it, then that's when I realized, it's when God gave me a truth. And I'm going to share it with you. It's simply this. As long as anything is possible, nothing will happen. As long as anything is possible, nothing will happen. Now you're thinking, what? Anything is possible? I watched a movie and they talked about that. And, and so I believe it. Well, here's the thing. Until you set a course, you will go nowhere. Until you make a choice, nothing's going to happen. And I was sitting looking at this young man who I loved dearly. And I had a great deal of freedom to speak into his life. And so I told him that he was paralyzed by opportunity. And until he made a choice, nothing would happen in his life. And so I'm sharing that with you. If you're ever going to make some some progress in your journey, you've got to focus on something. And and life life isn't like a true or false quiz where if you get enough questions wrong, you fail. It's not like that. In fact, life is the opposite of that. In fact, God, God has taken, the world got corrupted, so failure became part of the process. You understand that through how God works in us is that we fail our way to success. Feel free to write that down. We fail our way to success. People who are successes didn't get there because they never failed. They got there because they never stopped failing until they succeeded. Does that make sense? Say Amen. I just want to make sure you're still here. I, just, I don't think you like that simple point. Because I, I think we, we're afraid of failure in our society today. We're afraid that things are going to go wrong. Um, and they will. Yeehaw. <laughs> so if you're going to make progress, then start making some progress. My point is this. Start. When you, when you know what, what excites you for God, when you know how he's gifted you, when you start to see how your life is working into a future that God has for you, take a step. Because that's how God works. God never, this will never happen to you, I promise. God will never like send you an email with a map on it that says, this is how I'm going to do your life. It's going to really stink for 10 years. It's going to get really good for about five minutes. It's going to stink for three more. Then it's going to get really good for a season. He's not going to send you that plan. Because the Bible teaches us that uh, his word's like a lamp to our feet. Lamps only give enough light for the next step. That's how God leads us, one step at a time. Because if he sent us the whole plan, we would totally freak out. And God likes freaking us out a little at a time, not a lot. Okay? Amen? All right. 
We can make our plans, Proverbs 16, 9 says, but the Lord determines our steps. I'll never forget, my dad is the one who gave me this verse. I was talking to him one day, and I had a, a big decision. I had some, an opportunity or t- some choices to make. And I'm like praying. I'm like, God, help me. And I'm, t- and I'm talking to my dad on my phone. Dad, I don't want to make the wrong choice. And so dad says, hey, don't worry. We got this. Let me show you this. And he pulled up Proverbs 16, 9. He says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so my, my father, in love, over the phone, said to me, relax, dude. Take a step. And that's what I'm saying to you. Take a step. That's where you're going to find your focus. Now, how do you do that? First, prepare. Do you know, I don't know how many single folks are in here today. Probably not a whole lot of single ones. A few. You know you're single for a reason? You young folks? God gave you youth for a reason. And it wasn't to waste it on dumb stuff. That's why, that's why King David said, Oh, Lord, keep me from the sins of my youth, okay? Now, every older person in this room goes, oh, But we all wasted our life on dumb stuff. Why not use your youth, your health, your vigor, your energy to prepare for God's plan for your life? You say, Well, I don't know what God's plan is for my life yet. It's okay. Start preparing. How do you do that? Well, maybe you get your education. You know, let me suggest some weird things. Can you handle some weird things from the pastor? Like, that's all you give us is weird stuff. <laughs> maybe, maybe in between a couple of years of college, do a Bible school for a year. Just learn God's Word. Like, do an intensive on God's Word, especially an Old Testament survey and a New Testament survey. If you, if you will do that, the Bible will come alive for you. It really will. Okay? Here's another one. Take a really difficult mission trip. Get out of the country. I encourage my children. We like YWAM, but there are so many groups out there. And I like longer mission trips rather than shorter ones. And so my son, uh, Colin, he took a trip to Nepal. I was wanting to say Nicaragua, and I'm going, that's not right. Where's that coming from? <laughs> It's an end, close enough. Anyway, it was a really hard thing. It took like four to six months out of his life. And he spent a month over there, six weeks, two and a half. Thanks, honey. She's my memory. I'm, I'm not, I don't remember stuff. Just, so if you want me to remember something for you, tell her. All right. My point is, he went over there. He did something really hard. When he came back, a couple of things happened. One, he appreciated the fact that he was American and the benefits and blessings we have in this country. He appreciated the blessings of growing up in our household, which was a great help to us. <laughs> he also had a heart for missions. He wanted to see the world hear the gospel, not just his friends in our town. It just changed his life. It, it opened up his outlook. So you're young, you're single, you have some time, and I know you're sitting there go, well, I don't have money for those kind of things. Here's what I've learned about God. He will provide money for that kind of stuff. The question, is, the question should never be, is there enough money to do this? The question should all be, always be, is this what dad wants? Is this what my father wants? If my father wants it, the check's in the mail. Well, probably like 150 little checks, you know, five bucks here and 10 bucks there, but nonetheless, it's in the mail, okay? So I'm just saying, prepare. Just take some time and prepare for that. Now maybe you're sitting there and you're, you're already into life and you're married and you have kids. It doesn't mean you don't prepare. 
Now it's time. Find out what your spiritual gifts are. Work through your own story. Uh, Get some mentoring in your life. I'm amazed by how many people just go through life without any help. And I know we're in Wyoming, and I know you're supposed to cowboy up, but would you like totally get over that? Because you need help, and I need help, okay? So we do. We just do. So press on. Now, the next thing, so prepare and then persist. I live in a world that just quits. Everybody just quits. The second it gets hard, they're just, I'm out, I'm done. It's just too much drama, let me out, okay? Paul says this, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Do you hear what Paul's doing? He's setting you as a light of God in a context of a very messed up place. And what you need in that very messed up place is persistence, some grit, to just stop quitting. How about that? Just stop quitting just because something's hard. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, Maybe someone wrote a book. Life is hard. It's hard. Following Christ is hard. Now, I know you're still going, well, yeah, but we're supposed to rest in the Lord. I know. Resting in the Lord is the hardest thing I've ever done. Okay? So, so get, get some toughness about you and, and keep going. You see, this is what following Christ is. You take a step. You're like, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to do the right thing. And so you take a step. And, and maybe things get easier. Maybe things get harder. But, but whether they get easier or harder, you know what you do after you take a step? You take another one. And you take another one. And you take another one. And you take another one. Why? Because you're not staying here. You understand that, right? You're walking home. That's what, that's, that's what this walk with Jesus is. It's a walk home. Amen? <clears throat> and don't worry if you get it wrong. Every now and then you take a step. That's, Jesus died on a cross for every mistake you've ever made and that you ever will make. It's, it's all under the blood, man. And so when you take a step and you get it wrong or you move in the wrong direction, you make a wrong choice, it's just, it's just so wonderful. You just turn to God and you say, God, I got it wrong. I'm sorry. Empower me to get it right. Give me the strength to take the next step right. Because failure is part of the process. And sometimes when you think you got it wrong, you actually got it right. Sometimes the enemy... And the echoes in your head, that echo chamber in your brain is telling you that the right step's the wrong step, and you quit before you walk through the darkness and find your way to the light. Does that make sense? You believe that. I mean, do you believe it? It's true. So don't quit. So find your focus. One thing I I do want to mention is about distraction. I think this is the enemy's greatest tool, and it's the beginning of the worst things that the enemy does in our life. I mean, yes, you have an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He wants to wreck your life, ruin you, ruin your family, ruin your kids. That's what he wants to do. But he never just starts right there. He always starts with this little thing called distraction. If he can just get us out of our focus. That's why Paul said, I focus on this one thing. I stay focused. I chase after Christ. And so, excuse me. If, if the enemy, if Satan can distract you and get you squandering your energy and your focus, he'll disable you. He'll keep you from walking healthily and strongly and excitedly into God's plan for a season. So don't, don't let him. Just remember, 
Stay focused on Christ. This one thing I do. Now, we talked about finding your purpose. I know that that's not something you can come up with by end of service today. But you've got to start thinking about it. Please take your story, your opportunities, and your spiritual gifts into account. Talk to your father about it. Then you've got to find your focus. You just can't do a thousand things all the time. Work on the right things, the things that are going to propel you forward. Uh, by the way, I guess I should give a little caveat there. You do have some callings in your life that are really important. If you have children, Father called you to be a parent. If you have a wife or a husband, God called you to be a spouse. Those are callings that take precedence over everything else, okay? Obviously, if you're a believer, he called you to be a son, all right? Those things are very important. Keep those in line. Don't get distracted from those things. So find your focus. And then let's look at Philippians 4. Back to Philippians 4. <coughs> Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, <coughs> excuse me, stay true to the Lord. Now listen to the tenderness of Paul. I love you, and I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive from my work. Here's what I want you to hear in that. Paul was not alone. Paul didn't do the Christian life by himself. There were times he ended up alone because of legal problems and so forth. But he saw his life as part of this thing Jesus called the church. He saw his peace in that big C church going on. Okay? Now, guys, it's very important that you find your people. It's very important that you have people in your life, people of faith in your life. Uh, we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about being the church versus just going to church. But in that time that we think between now and then, a couple of things to keep in mind. One, there's only one superstar in the kingdom, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear me? It's only one. Everybody else. They may write their books. They may speak to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. They all are just fingers pointing at the superstar, which is Jesus Christ. Okay? So never worship a finger. <laughs> all right? So we need to stop putting people on pedestals like that. I, in fact, uh, one day I was praying about this very issue, and I, and, and I just saw in my heart that what when we do that, what we're really doing is elevating people so that the enemy can shoot them more accurately. <laughs> so let's not do that, okay? Um, here's, here's another thing that I think is really cool. Right here in Rock Springs, God has given us some very gifted teachers, writers, ministers, all kind of stuff, right here in our beautiful little community. We are blessed with some great leaders, some strong servants, just all those things are right here. Now, it is totally okay to read a book. I'm a big fan. I read a lot of books. It's totally great to go to a conference. I, I go to conferences some too, not as much now as I used to, um, for reasons. <laughs> but if the only time that you really feel a spiritual connection with God or you feel like you are moving in the Spirit, is when you go to a conference or some supercharged meeting, there's something wrong with your faith. Okay? There, there's an issue there. You shouldn't need a big show to get you in the Spirit. Okay? 
Something's wrong. So we need to keep that in mind, all right? Uh, and also, I got this thing. We really should not be Christianized consumers. The, the church is just not another market. Does that make sense? And, and so we have to be really careful of that kind of stuff. So that being said, we need to celebrate each other's gifts. We need to, as we encounter people in this body or in our community or in the community in which you live, as we encounter those people and they bless us and God feeds us through them or gives us a word through them or encourages us through them or whatever those kind of things are, as those happen, we need to celebrate that. When we have a brother or sister in Christ or even a child in Christ who, who, who gets a, an honor, gets lifted up, we need to celebrate with them, hold them up, enjoy every, every win, every win in this body is a win for the whole body. Does that make sense? I mean, think about your own body. I mean, if your thumb is hurting and all of a sudden it's healed, that's a win for the whole body, right? Because up until then, the whole body was worried about that thumb. Oh, man, I wish my thumb would suffer. Somebody's thumb hurting right now. Anyway, so, so we don't need to put people on those pedestals, but we need to learn to celebrate each other and, and to look to each other and to give each other grace and patience and, and to look through weaknesses looking for strengths. We need to look over each other's weaknesses. I, this is the hard thing about having people in our life because people are so people-y, <laughs> right? You ever like that? <laughs> You're like, I, I would love to have friends, but man, friends, they're hard on you, right? Um. If we, gave, if we learned to give each other grace and patience and to look and see through their weaknesses to their strengths, learn to mine the gold in a life versus look for the dirt that's just so easy to find. If we do that, it would be a lot easier for, easier for us to have people in our lives. I, I realize you've been hurt. Uh, everybody has. It's hard to trust people. Having people in your life is not about trusting people. It really isn't. It's about trusting Jesus. It really is. And so, so how do we find those people? Or why do we even find those people? Well, we, we need those people because we need support. You and I need help. And I know I said that earlier in a, in a joking way, but it, it's just really true. We need help. We need accountability. We need people that we can bring in close enough that they can actually speak in our lives. Now, we don't like that. I know. I, I don't either. Okay? But... Um, but God, I am married, and she speaks into my life. And sometimes I wish she wouldn't, but she does. <laughs> sometimes I speak into hers. We need that. We need that. We need people calling us up. Calling us up, not just beating us down, okay? And if you've got someone in your life who's just beating you down, then that's, that's time for a boundaries discussion, which we talked about earlier this year. I'm talking about people who help call you up. We need that help. We need people close enough to, to speak in our lives. We don't have everything in ourselves. God didn't give you everything. He gave you his son, and he gave Steve his son, and Michael his son, and Tucker his son is in them, and God intends to use the son of God, and all of those guys speak into my life. That make sense? That's how this works. All right, and you need to give support. Not only do you need to be held up, and you need to give it to people. Do you understand? I mean, you've learned stuff. I mean, hopefully, you learned a few things from those mistakes that you made, right? <laughs> you learned stuff, and you could share that stuff. 
and help somebody that's going through a hard time. Have compassion on somebody. That is one of the great things about getting older. You know, I'm a little older than I once was, and I've been through some stuff, and now I have a lot more compassion at almost 50 than I had at 30. I mean, at 30, I'm telling you, ignorance is awesome. Isn't ignorance awesome? Can I get an amen for ignorance? No, okay. When you don't know much in life, it's so easy to judge people. (laughs) But as you get older, you begin to get some perspective, and you've endured some pain. And you can be so much more compassionate toward people. And so you, you've been through some stuff. So help people through this stuff. You need to do it. You need to give to them. You, you need to be thankful for them. We need to be part of things. Like, for example, next week, Brother Tim Hall's coming. Uh, Brother Tim was a missionary for many years. Now he is a missionary raising up missionaries. Okay? So they, they, they have a mission organization that they're working to fund. That's his, his mission in life is to get guys and men and women on the field to get that gospel out to get the good news out there okay well you know what he can't do it if people like us don't step up take up financial support take up spiritual support and pray for them encourage them it just can't it's not going to happen without us giving and being grateful for guys like tim and madison a few weeks ago and some others so find your people man you need to you need them in your life and and you need to give out of your life so what are you supposed to do with this Long, discombobulated message. Find your purpose. Find your focus. Find your people. Do what God wants to do with your life. Do what God wants to do with your life. Sooner or later, you're going to chase every brass ring the world dangles out there. And you're going to catch a few of them. And when you do, you're going to find out they weren't actually brass. They were actually made out of manure or something gross. (laughs) And you're going to realize, this stinks. This is not what I was promised. This is not what everybody said it was. Because the world's out there making those false promises all the time. But your father, he does not make false promises. He stands behind every word he says. And he stands behind you through everything you go through. He's with you. So if you're going to chase something in life, Chase God's plan for your life. That's all. Chase His plan. I promise you that all the other stuff that you, you're chasing now, whether it's a relationship or whether it's money or a career or, or whatever it is that you're chasing, I promise you, you chase after God. You put the kingdom first. You seek God first. He says all the other stuff He'll take care of. That's what He says He'll do. Now, I don't know if that means He will give you the money or give you the relationship. Sometimes it might mean He takes away your need or desire for that relationship. I don't know. But all I know is this. You pursue God, you'll find real happiness. You'll be blessed. Now, it may be a life that everybody else looks like and they can't, looks at and they can't see the blessing, but that doesn't matter. Because in here, God lives. In here, The kingdom exists, and you can have God's plan. You can live and be the person that God sees you as. That's what this is about. Get past your past. Start chasing down God's future. You're going to be a lot happier for it. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live this life trapped in the world's expectations or belief systems. Thank you, Lord, that um, even though today we may be, maybe some are struggling, maybe some are just at a great and an overjoyed place in their life, that's great too. 
Lord, whatever it is that we are at, give us the courage to chase you down, to chase, to step into your plan, to go after what you have for us. I, I pray for these lives. It's so easy to just keep falling into the norms of our culture. And Lord, I pray that you raise up courage in this room to walk away from the pain and the hurt and walk into a beautiful future. Thank you, Lord, that I am talking to a room full of masterpieces. Thank you that God has an amazing plan, a plan that will not only bless every life it touches, but a plan that will change the world. Thank you. Thanks that I get to be in a community that gets it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand.